This is the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. My name is Sarah Jefford and I'm a surrogate and a surrogacy lawyer. This is another episode with Katrina Hale where we're going to explore milestones and rituals which you may not have thought was very um, important in surrogacy because it's just birthdays and um, baby showers and things that most people just do without much thinking. But in surrogacy they can take on a whole new level of um, importance for everyone in the team and that's why we've made a podcast episode about it. This is also episode 50. So congratulations to everyone that's been involved and thank you for your contributions to the surrogacy community, sharing your stories so generously. We're going to talk about uh, milestones and rituals. And what I've been thinking about lately is that a lot of the milestones that we're going to talk about are not, most people would not think that they were particularly significant in surrogacy because things like baby showers and birthdays and Mother's Day and other special occasions when people make a baby, they just celebrate those occasions with their baby and with their immediate family, and they don't think beyond that. But what we're really finding is that in surrogacy, that those milestones and rituals are important for other reasons and for the surrogate and her family, as well as for the intended parents and the child. So I've been writing about this, and there's a blog post that I've done specifically about milestones. But I'm interested in how do the teams, the surrogate team and the intended parents team, work through what, what milestones and rituals are important for them and how do they make sure that there's some acknowledgement or that they've, they've done the right thing, that they haven't sort of upset their surrogate or upset the intended parents by doing the wrong thing, I guess. Um, so we're going to focus specifically on uh, the baby shower first and then also the first birthday um so katrina i guess what are we looking for when there's a baby shower these lovely intended parents are celebrating their pregnancy with their family and friends and there there's a woman there that's pregnant with their baby how do we celebrate the baby shower which normally would be just about the baby and the parents uh but has this added complexity of this whole other family involved what do we do there Absolutely. So yes, yes, baby showers, you know, they can be sort of awkward affairs. And, and like, I, I think something like a baby shower, it's a social ritual. It's a rite of passage. And there is a, a ritual and etiquette, you know, that goes with it. So, uh, you know, we, we've now got surrogacy, you know, in, in our social uh, spectrum. So we just need to add an extra chapter in the etiquette book around, you know, baby showers. Um, so that therefore everybody knows how to do the social ritual. So if we think about, okay, what's the purpose of a baby shower? You know, traditionally a baby shower was a uh, young heterosexual couple got married. Uh, you know, they didn't have a lot of money. Um, so they got pregnant. And then in the, sometime in the third trimester, uh, all the women in the community got together and bought gifts or donated uh, their secondhand stuff, you know, to the new young mother uh, so that they could afford to have a baby and have all the bits and pieces that they would need to do that. So, yeah, so there was a social community ritual around the purpose of that. Um, so we live in a wealthy society. It's like, so, so baby showers, you know, these days, again, they are, they are a rite of passage. They are a transition of the woman from non-mother to mother you know, and a celebration of that and, and her preparation of that, her induction into the world of motherhood. So 
we've we've evolved that social ritual further. You know, now, sometimes you know, it was traditionally only women. Yeah, you know, it was a women's event. It was a women's ritual. Uh, it was secret women's business. Now we have baby showers where the guests can be both male, female, and other you know non-binary genders. Uh, we have uh, sometimes have uh, you know both parents hosting the baby shower. So. Uh, so if what's the what's the ritual about? The ritual is a rite of passage. It's a transition. It's a induction and you know, preparation of you know people who are about to have a life changing experience. So therefore, in surrogacy, if we're going to have a baby shower, what's its purpose? What's it about? I still think that a baby shower needs to capture and recognise and celebrate that rite of passage for the intended parents. A baby shower is, is for people who are about to have a baby <laughs> and become parents. Uh, so, so, okay, so, but, but then, you know, we've got, we're, we're doing this via surrogacy. So we don't have the woman who's about to become a mum who hosts the baby shower and she's pregnant, you know, where we've sort of put all those roles into the one person. We can potentially have an intended mother, you know, and a surrogate. We can have intended mother, intended father, and surrogate. You know, we can have two intended dads, you know, and a surrogate. Surrogate's partner, male or female partner, might want to come along as well. So how do we capture a surrogate baby shower? How do we capture that social ritual? How do we capture that rite of passage? So often intended parents are like, oh, we want to make the baby, baby shower all about our surrogate. Because and surrogates are like, going, oh, that's a bit awkward. You know, we don't actually want to be the centre of attention. It's Can like I going, pick you up the, on that too? That um, for surrogates, it's also about saying, well, that's lovely, but actually, it's not about me. I want to see you having a baby shower because you're having a baby. That's what I want to experience. I don't want a party for me. I want you to have a baby shower. So then, exactly how do we right. do that yeah. with allowing exactly. or celebrating the surrogate? Exactly, exactly. And, that, and that's, that, that's why it's sort of so complex because it's like, yeah, intended parents are like going, no, 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 we want to make it about celebrating our surrogate. You know, the baby shower is about celebrating our surrogate because, yeah, we want to celebrate it. And the surrogates are going, no, no, no. It's like, I don't, it's like, a, like a, no, 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 I'm being a surrogate because my pleasure is in watching you become parents. <laughs> so it's, it's like, I'm doing this to make you parents. So therefore, I want to observe this social ritual you know, I want to be a fly on the wall to watch you and your family and friends you know I want to I want to watch the people in your life who are going to celebrate you becoming parents I want to see your support network I want to see you know the people in your lives who are like you know delighted that you're going to become parents I want to watch that I got to be you know got a lot of pleasure out of that but then I also don't want to be written out of history you know, I don't want to be denied. I don't want to be, you know, the shameful secret, you know. Uh, you know, we're going to pretend that, you know, this has sort of happened somehow, you know. So it's, it's like, you know, the surrogate doesn't want to steal the show, but she wants to be recognised and acknowledged that the show wouldn't be happening apart from the fact that she's around. Uh, so it's a bit like, one of the metaphors I use is, is like, let's say someone, you know, swims across the English Channel. There's the person out there putting their body on the line, but then they've got a whole team around them, a whole support team, 
know, and then when they get out of the water and the camera crews come up and, and say, you're amazing, you know, you're, you're spectacular. And they go, you know what? It wasn't actually me. You know, it wasn't just me. I had a whole team of people around me. I couldn't have done it without them. Someone gets up on stage and gets an Oscar. They get the Oscar for their performance, but then they say, thanks so much. You know, I'd like to thank everybody who supported me to get here like that. So it's similar to that. It's like the acknowledgement of the surrogacy is, the surrogate is like going, thanks everyone, you know, we are, you know, thanks for coming to the baby shower. Uh, we're so happy that we get to have one because this delightful woman has generously offered to be our surrogate. Here, let us introduce you to her. Here, this is Sarah. She's our surrogate. Uh, it's like, and then again, you know, there needs to be a sort of a, a teamwork because this comes down to personalities. A really extroverted surrogate might want to talk to all the people, all the friends and family members that she's never met, you know, in an extroverted manner about all things surrogate. Or she might want to be a fly on the wall who sits with a safe group of close family members of the intended parents who she knows really well and just watch. So this, you know, that's a personality thing. So therefore it's like here, we're so happy to have you here. This is our surrogate. Uh, it's like, she's going to be sitting over there with my mum and dad uh, in case, you know, with my sisters, with my, with my brothers, if you want to go over and say hi, or this is our surrogate, she's going to be networking the room, uh, trying to promote egg donation. <laughs> so it's, so. I think what I've heard from surrogates in terms of when the baby shower hasn't been ideal is that mm. they felt like a bit of a circus show that they they may end up sort of wanting to talk to people but not necessarily about the surrogacy only they want to be appreciated and acknowledged um, and they don't sort of like it when people sort of point and stare but don't approach and say hi so I guess for the intended parents it's about making sure they're giving their guests enough introduction as to who the surrogate is and allowing yeah. them bridging that gap in terms of the language to use and how to talk to her. She's not an object with a baby in her belly. She's a real person and you can go and say hi and introduce yourselves and you're allowed to express gratitude and appreciation or wonder at what she's doing as long as it's perhaps not objectifying and not treating her as some sort of sideshow. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And that comes down again, you know, to the, to the etiquettes and the rituals. You know, it, it's like, yeah, the, the normal etiquettes of, of a baby shower is fussing over the pregnant woman. So now we've got a pregnant woman and a mum or a pregnant woman and, you know, and a dad, pregnant woman and two dads, you know, we've, we've you know, it's, it's like, we don't, we can't just fuss, we can't just fuss over and celebrate one person and get the job done. So it's, yeah, it's thinking about, again, what's the purposes of this as, as intended parents, why do we want to have a baby shower as a surrogate? What, what's the, what's, what's a baby shower about for me? You know, and so therefore as a group, as a team, what is our baby shower about what's it for what do we what are we doing this for what do we want to get out of this yeah you know, and then that's a personality thing so then what is the etiquette what is the structure what's the format you know what are the rituals of our surrogate baby shower and that way again yeah you give the guests the the instructions you give the guests the etiquette guide yeah don't objectify our surrogate it's it's okay to talk to 
our, our surrogate about this. Yeah. But then also, yeah, like, you know, what are the privacy boundaries? It's like uh, there might be some people in the room among the intended parents, you know, families and friends, there might be work colleagues there. Those work colleagues might not know that the intended mum was born without a uterus. Okay, surrogate knows that. So therefore the surrogate has to sort of respect those <laughs> privacy boundaries in having those conversations. So it's very much got to be, you know, sort of a bit of planning and strategy and, you know, and thought and mindfulness, you know, that comes from the team. It's like, a, how do we, we're connected together in this surrogacy. So how do we do a baby shower? Yeah. Uh, and I yeah, think that's that, really yeah. good that recognizing that it's a team event that you need to have team input. I've heard, for example, of some intended yeah, the, surrogate, the surrogate doesn't get invited to no. the intended parents. Yeah, she's it's just like there. She, yeah, she's, she simultaneously gets invited while also being part of the I wanted to say about that number one was that I think sometimes intended parents will say no it's okay we don't want a baby shower and that they perhaps need to make that decision with their surrogate who may be expecting that they have a baby shower because she needs to know that she's being acknowledged as part of them becoming parents so not yeah. having one may feel like again it's that sort of pretending that there's no surrogate or um, yeah, forgetting yeah, or yeah, that's yeah. yeah, we don't want to have a baby shower. Why not? Well, even if yeah, even if you know we have got pregnant, we just don't do parties. We're introverts. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, we'd hate it. Or we don't want to have a, a baby shower because it would be too awkward. Or so, like like a lot of our friends don't know that we're doing surrogacy. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're going to sort of pretend this isn't happening or, yeah, like, again, why? why? Why are you doing it? Why aren't you doing it? Because you can't just follow the default etiquettes and, and, and social rituals. They're not, they're, they're not entirely applicable to this. You need to create your own version. Good news is you get to create your own version. Bad news is you get to create your own version. <laughs> I would say too that uh, what I did with my intended parents before any sort of social event was touch base with them about what was known and what was private so that we would have some agreements. If, if a friend or an auntie asked me a question, for example, about whose egg was it or how did you do home inseminations or um, those sorts of intimate questions that people might ask, we had some agreements about how they might be answered and to who and what. I, I wondered who the audience would be. Would it be okay to talk to their elderly aunt about home inseminations or was that going to be something that I needed to walk away from, for example? So we've kind of covered baby showers. What happens then when it's first birthday, which I think is probably one of, one of the biggest events after birth, after the surrogacy? Yeah, so, so there's, like, again, a lot of milestones, uh, you know, and, and social rituals that take place in that sort of first year post-birth, you know, leading up to the first birthday. Uh, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Easter, Christmas, religious, cultural rituals and things like that. So often when I, when I speak to surrogates about this in the pre-surrogacy counselling, the, the message I get is like, no, 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 that won't be me. You know, I won't need that. I'm not doing it for that reason. You know, it's like, I, I, I'm not going to need any, any acknowledgement. I'm doing this so that my intended parents can become parents. 
Um, so yeah, there's a reluctance or, you know, just not a recognition of, of how differently they might feel afterwards. But then I've spoken to many, many surrogates post-birth who have a commonality in how they feel around these type of events. So let's say the first birthday party. So again, what is a first birthday party? Generally, a first birthday party is where uh, parents, oh my God, we survived the first year. Let's throw a party. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a milestone. It's like, it's that sort of induction. It's like induction into parenthood. You know, it's like we made it through the first year. It's our first birthday as parents. You know, a parent got born 12 months ago. So it's like, let's celebrate our, our first year. You know, we, we survived it. Um, yeah, it's like one-year-olds don't really get into parties that much. It's like... Well, it, that's it right. The first birthday is never about the child. It's about the parents. Absolutely. Yeah, the first birthday. Yeah, again, it's, it might be the first time that the kid gets to eat sugar. That's probably the highlight for the kid. But seriously, they're, you know, they're, not, they're generally not that into it. So, yeah, so again, what's that as, as, a, as a social ritual? It's like friends and family, you know, come over and, yes, yeah, celebrate us as parents who survived you know, the, the first year. So again, so how's this differ in surrogacy? So a surrogate, you know, when I talk to the surrogates in the pre-surrogacy counseling and they imagine, and I, and I say, you know, it's, it's like, you, you might want to, you know, maybe have a little bit of recognition or acknowledgement. They go, no, 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 no. I'm not going to need that because what they're imagining is them sitting there at the first birthday party watching their intended parents in that manifestation of being parents and they're going to you know, sit there and go, that's what I did this for. You know, look what I gave birth to. This is, this is what I saw. This is the guiding vision that I had, giving birth to this family. Look at all this joy that is here. Look at this celebration. Look at, you know, these intended, look at my parents, you know, look at my, look at my parents, look at the family I gave birth to. It's like, it's joyful for me just to sit back and watch. Okay. But then we get into the, like we had in another podcast, those, you know, subconscious fears. Surrogate subconscious fear is being used and abandoned. Okay. So first birthday party, there's that celebration of the parents. There's the celebration of the kid. There's like a whole lot of cards and presents, you know, given to the to the child, uh, you know, cake and food and whatever. So all the talk is about the child and the parents. Uh, so surrogates there watching that and going, oh, okay. So does anybody remember how, how this happened? You know, it's like, a, does anybody realize that you didn't, you wouldn't have got to have a first birthday party apart from the fact that I carried the kid in my, you know, belly for 12 months and pushed them out my vagina? Does anybody remember that? Or have I been written out of history? You know, is that bit being denied? You know, is, is that bit not important? You know, is, is that bit finished, over, that chapter's closed? You know, now I'm just a guest. And surrogates feel very tormented over this. They feel very guilty and they feel very selfish for having these feelings. They feel they're not entitled to have these feelings. They feel that they are being horrible human beings for having these feelings. But this is just about altruistic rituals, you know, recognition, you know, the, the unique dynamics of surrogacy. Again, it's the speech at the Oscars. We are so delighted that we get to have a first birthday party. You know, it's like, you know, because of you know, this amazing person, 
helped us get there and helped us create our family. Enjoy the celebration. There's just a recognition of the surrogate. The surrogate is not stealing the limelight. It's not a, it's, she's, she's, she doesn't want to upstage things. She doesn't want to uh, be the center of attention. She just wants to know that she's remembered. She just wants to know that she's recognized. She just wants to know that what she sacrificed, what she contributed out of the generosity of her heart. She didn't get paid $50,000. She did this as an act of love. She just wants to know she's remembered. So sometimes, and again, this is like, what's the ritual of your group? So sometimes intended parents have huge first birthday party where it is just about the one-year-old and the parents. And then the day after, they celebrate their surrogate. That's when they give their surrogate a, a token gift or a card or take her out to lunch or, you know, acknowledge her. You know, it's like going, thank you, thank you. We got to have a first birthday party yesterday. You know, like it was because of you. We got to do that. So the surrogate gets separated in her own ritual, you know, her own celebration. Happy birthing day. Happy I think that's really important to remember that the birthing day is her, her milestone, her anniversary that in some ways is kind of separate from the birthday of the baby. The, you know, we all want to celebrate the birthday of the baby. That's their day. That's the day that they will celebrate for the rest of their lives. But it's also the day that we stopped being their surrogate and we gave birth to them and that's worthy of celebration, but it's a separate thing. And I like Ooh. that idea of having a separate celebration. It, again, it doesn't have to be a really big party for her, Ooh. which she's not looking for a party, Ooh. but taking her out for lunch or giving her a card and a gift and that sort of smaller recognition celebration is, is really recognised yeah. as a team yeah. that you're still together as a team. Yeah. Yeah. It can be the day before. It can be an hour before the party. It can be a week before the party. It can be an hour after the party, a day after the party, a week after the party. You know, again, what's the ritual of your team? Um, so, but, but what is for surrogates? It's like, yes, surrogates go into things like Mother's Day, Father's Day, you know, whatever, white-knuckled. You know, they go into them white-knuckled, wondering, Am I going to get acknowledged? Am I going to get remembered? Am I going to get recognised? Or have I been written out of history? Again, we're talking that, tr that triggering of subconscious fears. Have I been used and abandoned? Is this, am I going to find out now? So, I've, so therefore, again, there needs to be some discussion around how you're going to do that ritual. Because I've had surrogates who have been invited to the first birthday party, attended the first birthday party, gone along as a guest, celebrated that first birthday party because again there's that pleasure in celebrating the first birthday of the family get they got birth they gave birth to but there's been a sadness in them you know as they've gone oh well i don't have a right to expect anything you know because this is what i did it for it's like it's selfish it's unreasonable of, of me to want or expect anything you know this was an act of altruism so they they grin and bear it you know because they don't feel that they have a right to expect anything you know so they're not going to ask for it you know they're not going to negotiate for them because yeah again you know altru the altruistic recognition and reward has to be given spontaneously so therefore so then sometimes they'll sort of go with sort of you know put on a, a happy face and attend the the party as a you know as a, as a cheerful guest 
And then the day after, you know, might be when their intended parents thank them or say, well, why don't, you know, we want to take you out to lunch or whatever. But often because they've sort of hardened their heart, you know, they've you know, had to put on that armour to, to protect themselves from, from that vulnerability. When that acknowledgement comes the day after, they've shut down and withdrawn. So, so therefore, they sort of like, because they sort of got to the end of the first birthday party and went, oh, well, looks like I've been forgotten. What did I expect? I suppose that's what I did it for and they seem happy. So, oh, well, looks like I'll, yeah, I'll protect myself. You know, so they've gone into that protection mode when then the recognition is given. So I think that's really important for intended parents to remember is, and for surrogates perhaps to think about how they can communicate their needs because intended parents might need to recognise that the surrogate won't ask. She won't ask for recognition. She's not looking for gifts and she's not looking for an entire party. But if it gets to the end of the first birthday and she hasn't been acknowledged, she will feel it and she won't say anything mm. about it because she doesn't yeah. feel like she's yeah. entitled to be upset about it. And that if the intended parents are thinking, well, she hasn't asked for anything, so we won't give her anything, actually it might be better just to prepare yourselves to recognise her and appreciate her that day knowing that she's not going to ask for it, but that she would really like some recognition of her contribution to the first, first anniversary and the first birthday. Yeah, it's, it's complex stuff. Like, you know, like I'm a psychologist with 20 years experience and this is complex, complex stuff. And, and again, that's why I say like, this is, you know, we need a new etiquette book. You know, we need an etiquette book with extra chapters on surrogacy. It's unrealistic to expect every single intended parent to pick this stuff up, to, you know, spontaneously work this out, this complex social stuff out for themselves and get it right, you know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, every single time. So often surrogates who they, they might have sort of white knuckled it through the first birthday and then been taken out to lunch the day after. The second birthday, they're then going, okay, right, is the same thing going to happen again? And then, yeah, if the same thing happens again, that day one, we have a big party, day two, you know, we go out to lunch with our surrogate, then they start to go, oh, okay, I know what to expect. I'm going to be much more relaxed with the third birthday because I know I haven't been written out of history. My family grows up, but they haven't forgotten that, that I was a part of that. So, uh, again, it, you know, it, it's personalities, it's group dynamics, it's, it's lots and lots of things. Um, but it's really that it's the unspoken ritual and rules of altruism. Someone says, can you feed my cat for a week? You go, yeah, sure, happy to. You feed their cat for a week, they come back from holidays, they give you a box of chocolates. You say... Oh, you don't need to give me a box of chocolates. I was happy to feed your cat. I'll do it any other time you want. But think about if they don't offer that box of chocolates, if they don't say thank you. You know, you say, you don't need to thank me. You don't need to give me a box of chocolates. I was happy to do it. Think about how you would feel if they took that literally. But then someone says, can you look after my cat for a week while I go on holidays? You don't say, yeah, sure, absolutely, I'll do that as long as I get a $20 box of chocolates, three words of praise and three words of thank you <laughs> and an offer to reciprocate when I want. You, know, you cannot define your altruistic value because then if people give, if people comply with that, it feels inauthentic. So this is a complex dance. This is a complex dance. And again, this is big stuff. I'm a psychologist with 20 years experience. This is complex stuff. If you are having, if you want to get it right, but you're not sure if you're getting it right, ask for help. Mm. I, lo- I love it. Yeah, I love this stuff. Come and talk to me. It's like I will help you tailor a, the, the right rituals for your group. Good news is 
get to make it up. Bad news is, get to make it up. <laughs> I was just going to do a roundup of the parentage order day. In some states, there's no hearing. In other states, there is a hearing and it's quite ceremonial and lovely and everyone can attend and it's uh, the ceremony sort of acknowledges everything that's happened. But what I've also found is that where there is a hearing, sometimes the acknowledgement is all about the baby and the intended parents and the judge may not spend a lot of time acknowledging the surrogate. And in those cases where there is no hearing and it all happens in the court in chambers with nobody attending, that we all come out of it with a parentage order and the surrogate may have heard about the parentage order via text message or she may have attended court and felt like there was no acknowledgement of who she is. And my advice to people and to teams going through the parentage order is that no matter whether you have a hearing or not, there should be some sort of recognition that this is the, the end of the legal process of surrogacy. And that might be that you have a lunch together or a special dinner celebration or even a party, whatever suits your team, that there should be some recognition of that was the end of the legal process of us four as a team and this baby and our families that lets the surrogate know that we think you're still important, even though the parentage order has been made. And that I, I think recognising too that the intended parents, that parentage order is often the end of us becoming parents. We are now officially parents. We're going to get the birth certificate changed. We've got the parentage order. We've been anxious about that. Now we've got it. For the surrogate, it can be like, well, now I'm going to be written off the birth certificate and the fear of abandonment steps in again, that little trigger that says, are they going to forget me now that they've got the parentage order? And it doesn't have to be rational, but that's probably what she's thinking. So if the intended parents are joyous about getting the parentage order, that can also trigger for the surrogate that they're joyous because she's written off the birth certificate. We don't have to worry about her anymore. So again, my advice would be to recognise that it, it has different feelings for each member of the team, that it can have significance for different reasons and that some sort of joint um, recognition or celebration is really important to sort of move through that milestone together and come out the other side. Yeah, exactly what you were saying, you know, in terms of the different meanings. It's like, you know, we're back to the subconscious fears. You know, the parentage order for the intended parents can signify the relief from that fear of the surrogate's going to keep the baby. They now, are, you know, legally, she can't. For the, for the surrogate, oh, look, we're, again, we're triggering that subconscious fear of I'm going to be used and abandoned. Like now they've got what they wanted, they don't need me. For surrogates, you know, there's all these milestones where they wait to be in abandoned. Birth, parentage order, Mother's Day, Father's Day, you know, the first birthday, you know, every subsequent birthday after that, they wait to see if they're going to be abandoned. Uh, and, you know, the parentage order is, is a huge one. So, again, we've got those parallel subconscious fears coming in there, you know, for intended parents. It's like, oh, no way the surrogate can keep the baby now. You know, surrogate going, going, well, yeah, there's nothing holding us together anymore. Uh, so, yeah, like you said, to see that that is the end of the project management, that is the end of the legal paperwork it's like but it's the beginning of the rest of your lives it's that perpetual journey it's like okay now the the new chapter where we don't have all these professionals scrutinizing our business is over we can you know get on with the new things which is then more relationships you know oh now we've got parents you know they're not intended parents anymore they're they're parents uh what's what what happens there you know it's like is a, is even around the you know terminology birth mother surrogate you know it's it's like were you a surrogate or are you still a surrogate it's like 
birth mother. It's like going, well, yeah, there's that female dimension of this is the woman who birthed this child into the world. Can we embrace and celebrate that? What does that look and feel like? So it doesn't end. It's like surrogacy and the, you know, the connections and the boundaries and the uniqueness of surrogacy doesn't end at birth. It doesn't end with the parentage order. That's just the end of the legal process and a lot of the project management. So people can mistake the busyness of the project management, appointments, places to be, things to do, things to talk about. That can be a substitute for a relationship. That can be, you know, people can mistake that for a relationship. Extroverted people are like, so much to talk about, some, you know, so many reasons to meet. You know, introverted people are like going, that's an administrative burden that I need to carry to get to the end. You know, when that burden of project management and, you know, appointments is relieved, is over, I breathe a sigh of relief. Whereas for an extroverted person, they're like going, they don't want to see me anymore. You know, we used to talk all the time. Now we talk once every two weeks. Again, it's just complex, complex interpersonal stuff. Um, so, yeah, so like, I, I like what you said. It's like, you know, whether it's court, not in court, whatever, it's like to, yeah, create a ritual around it, celebrate and acknowledge that, uh, you know, for, for what it is. For some surrogates, even, even the change of birth certificate can feel like they're being written out of history. It's like, you know, that, that birth certificate recognises that it was them who gave birth. And when that just sort of gets discarded like an irrelevant piece of paper that doesn't exist anymore, they can feel like their contribution gets discarded as well. So some, for some surrogates, it's important for them to keep that original birth certificate. You know, I've heard of intended parents framing them and, you know, making, you know, beautiful gifts out of them, which is just beautiful uh, to, to do something like that, to, again, to acknowledge what that birth certificate represents it represents the surrogacy journey no one's ever had any dispute about who the parents are going to be the surrogate doesn't want to keep the baby <laughs> so, now, we've big milestones but i just wanted to throw in there that the other milestones may change from team to team but that things that i see consistently are things that need a bit of sensitivity and teamwork are how do we announce the birth and how do we, well, how do we announce the pregnancy? And then how do we announce the birth? And then also, again, Mother's Day and Father's Day. And there could be any number of other milestones and rituals that are tied in with surrogacy. And it really, it's about the teams working through how are we announcing the birth that doesn't ignore the fact that a surrogate is the one that birthed? How do we announce the pregnancy to make sure that she, it's, there's not a stalk that brought your baby. How do we acknowledge her without making her the centre of attention? Because that's not what she wants. And Mother's Day, I think, is a really interesting one because we don't want to be a mother to the, the surrogacy baby, but we are the birth mother of that baby. And Mother's Day has that sort of, your newsfeed will be covered in uh, memes and photos and commemorations of mothers. And our role as birth mother was important and a lot of surrogates feel like it's worthy of recognition. Even if the baby themselves does not have a mum, they still have a birth mother. So yeah. it's another one I so think. We need to, yeah. So we need to talk to Hallmark again. You know, new yes. social ritual. You know, it's like making others Mother's Day. It's like egg donors, sperm donors, you know, surrogates, happy making other, others Mother's Day. You know, it's two dads. It's like, a, the, like, okay, you know, that gets complex and tortured around, you know, identity and you know, maternal and paternal and things like that. But it's like it's, you know, dim dimensionality. So birth, you know, announcing pregnancies, announcing things. I call that whose news. Whose news is it? 
It's like, how do I tell my story as a surrogate, I'm being a surrogate, without transgressing the privacy boundaries of my intended parents? How do intended parents tell their story without transgressing their surrogate's privacy boundaries? You know, if we have friends or family members in common and different uh, confidant relationships there, what if the surrogate's confidant is someone in the outer circle of the intended parents? You know, how, what about if it's a family surrogacy and then we've got, you know, I call it grandparent equity. You know, it's, it's complex communications, you know, it, it, to make sure, like sometimes intended parents are like, okay, well, we're not going to tell anybody until we get to the end of the first trimester. It's unrealistic to expect a surrogate to go out there potentially take hormones, have injections, have scans, go and get pregnant as a surrogate, deal with three months of morning sickness and not tell a soul. That's unrealistic. How do we tell each individual person's story and the group's story and manage all those social relationships and you know, rituals and you know, milestones with this new caravan of surrogacy? We need the new etiquette book and the new Hallmark cards. Yes, I think there's a whole line of, of new cards made by Hallmark. We should approach them with that idea, I think. Thank you for listening to the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about surrogacy, you can have a look at my website at sarahjefford.com. You can also find me on Facebook and on Instagram, and you can listen to more podcasts on the website or on Apple Podcasts.